The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. After addressing false teachers in the church in chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, uh, you need to talk about prayer in the church, you need to talk about the role of women. And uh, what Paul's telling Timothy is, he says, I, I hope to come to you soon, Timothy, but I'm writing this letter to you in case I get delayed. And I want you to know how to conduct yourselves, how people should conduct themselves in God's household. So it's a personal letter from Paul to Timothy, his younger disciple in the faith, and he's saying, Timothy, I, I want to come to you. I plan to be with you, but travel in those days was not like travel today. He said, I may be delayed. And when he talks about being delayed, he's not missing a flight. He's talking about weeks, months, and maybe even longer. And so he says, Timothy, just in case I don't make it, you need to know how the church should be living. And so in chapter 1, he says, Timothy, there's some false teachers. You've got to correct their teaching. Among those are Alexander the Hymenaeus. They've shipwrecked their faith and the faith of others. You've got to take care of those dudes. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, he says, this is uh, how you should pray in the church and who you should pray for. And last week, if you were with us, we talked about the role of women. And now he turns to leadership, the issue of leadership in the church. And specifically, he talks about elders and deacons and their qualifications. And that's where we find ourselves in the midst of our study today. So let's follow along as I read from chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This is from the NIV. By the way, some of you ask, why am I reading from my phone and not from my Bible? I use the New American Standard to study and preach from, uh, so this is the NIV. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. So it's a good thing to desire to be an overseer, an elder. By the the way, the word overseer here is the Greek word episkopos. We get the word episcopalian from it. It has to do with the, the, the role of the elder, the duty of the elder. Now, the elder overseer is to be above reproach. I'm going to talk about that one attribute more than any other, or characteristic more than any other. Faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, nor a lover of money. He must manage, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Then beginning in verse 8, he deals with deacons, and we'll take a look at them next week. Father, as we look at the scriptures, we desire to be taught, we desire to learn, and I pray that you would teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. An organization with no leadership or poor leadership is doomed to fail. Any organization with poor leadership or no leadership ends up in chaos and it fails. Over 20 years ago, I was invited by the city of Temple by our mayor to serve on one of our uh, councils or one of our commissions or our boards. It was called the Law Enforcement Advisory Board, LEAB, L-E-A-B. And the purpose of that board, I was told, was to be liaison between the law enforcement uh, communities or law enforcement uh, uh, folks in different communities in Central Texas and the citizens. So Temple, Belton, Morgan's Point, Rogers, Cameron, et cetera, or all Bell County, rather. And, and so once a month, we gather at the police station, the old police station downtown, Town, and we heard reports from the chiefs of police from these different communities. And uh, it, was, it was quite interesting, and I, I really gathered an appreciation for law enforcement, our folks who serve there, and here at TBC we have a number of you who do that. 
Well, after the fifth meeting, so five months into this, I'm on the board, and at the end of the meeting, I, I raised my hand and said, I apologize for my ignorance being the newest board member here, and there are actually 20 board members. And I said, every month we come to a meeting and we get these reports from these fine men and women, and I appreciate that very much, but honestly, then I go back to my place of business and to my life, and I never do anything other than come to this meeting and hear reports. And it's quite interesting, but I'm wondering, uh, what is the purpose of this board? The chairman of the board immediately replied, Gary, that's a great question. I've been in this board for six years, and I've wondered the same thing. <laughs> you, you could just hear this giant sucking sound in the room. I mean, how many of you have been on an organization that was kind of like that? Why are we here, and what are we doing, and nobody's leading it, and what are we supposed to be about? Well, there was debate in the room that day, and then we came back the next month and had a little more discussion about what our purpose was, and they killed the board after that. There's no more law enforcement advisory board. So the moral of the story is if you want to kill a board, invite me to join it, and we'll be done with it pretty quickly. An organization with no leadership or poor leadership is doomed to fail, isn't it? Knowing that the church needed proper leadership after talking about the role of women, the role of prayer, and false teachers in the church, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, you have to have qualified men to serve in the role of elders. Timothy, if you have poor leadership or no leadership, the church is doomed for failure. So, Timothy, in Ephesus, where you are, and for the church worldwide, actually, universally, here are some qualifications. And, by the way, most churches don't select men and women in leadership based on these qualifications. They have different criteria. Oftentimes, it's either a popularity contest or a pocketbook contest. If they're popular in the body or if they give a bunch of money, then they get selected to these positions of leadership. But the scriptures spell out clearly the qualifications for these men and women. So what I'd like to do this morning is, first of all, back up and look at the role and responsibility of an elder, then come to the qualifications of an elder, and we'll do the same thing next week with a deacon. But before we even talk about the role and the qualifications of an elder, there's something we need to clarify and make sure we understand. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Amen? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. This is not Gary's church. It drives me nuts when I hear that. Somebody says, well, Gary's church, and this is not Gary's church. This is not the elder's church. This is Jesus' church. Jesus is the head of this church. It says in, I can't advance this thing. We're in trouble here, Jim. Where are you? This thing worked last hour, and it's not working this hour. It worked earlier. I need batteries, actually. So uh, in McGregor, here you go. Greg knows where the batteries are. In my office are batteries, uh, top left-hand drawer, and if you make it back before I finish preaching, then we'll use it. There we go. You think it's going to work? I'm in trouble. Bobby's taking this pointer. <laughs> Just stick to singing back there. Uh, God, Jesus is the head of church. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Ephesians 1.22. The next verse says this. We've got to do verses back there, boys. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Let Jim do his job. Y'all worry about the pointer. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. Then we go to the next verse. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior, Christ is the head of the church. I'm glad they found something you know how to do. I wish it was a laser, or a, what, what do you call those things? A taser, not a laser, a taser. 
But the point is this, Jesus is the head of this church, not us. Jesus is the head of this church. Not only is the head of the church, he's the cornerstone of the church. When you go to the scriptures, it says in Ephesians 2.20, it says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He is the head of the church. He's the cornerstone of the church. He is the chief shepherd of the church. Peter is writing to the churches in Asia Minor. He says, when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus coming back, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Temple Bible Church is Jesus' church. The universal church is Jesus' church. Elders are the under-shepherds of the chief shepherd. We function to serve the Savior. We function in roles of service, and we as a body are under his lordship. We're under his headship. He is the cornerstone that builds everything, and he is the one who is the chief shepherd that we love and adore. We are his sheep and part of his flock. Amen? Let's not confuse that at all. Let's not confuse that at all. He is the one who is overall. And just to clarify a little bit for you what TBC does in regard to this, we are an elder-ruled church. We're blessed with 12 men right now who serve in this role. Those 12 men meet every three weeks through the calendar year. So every three weeks, the elders meet. We meet in homes. We rotate to different homes. Within the elder board, we have a meal together so we can have some fellowship together. Then we study the word together. Right now, we're studying the book of Deuteronomy together. And so we're in the word together every time we meet. And then after that, we always bring a staff person in to report on his or her area of ministry. Then after that, we take care of any spiritual matters that have risen up in the body or direction or vision that we need to give to the body. And so that's what we do. We're in the Word together. We're fellowshipping together. We are men who seek to honor God. We're on a journey with you together. And if you know the elders of TBC, the 12 men who are here, they are imperfect men. When we read this list of qualifications, we shake in our boots. Because we do not meet all the criteria here to its fullest extent. We are men with feet of clay. And, and one of the things we've done in the last three years, we've started an elders leadership training institute where we bring young men, emerging leaders in our body. They come together every other Sunday morning at 7 a.m. and they, they're, they're led by some of our elders. And the result of that is they get to see, they attend elders meetings, they attend a deacons meeting, and they're in the word together. They're growing together. We want them to see the underbelly of TBC so that in years to come, we have a pipeline of men who are serving in this role. We take leadership development seriously. It's our desire to do that. We have deacons. The deacons meet every third week uh, of the month. So they meet 12 times a year. They oversee the building, the body, uh, the, the buildings, the budget, the physical needs of our church. Every week, there, there are 24 deacons. Every week, four of those deacons are serving in the hallways. You see, we call them DODs, deacons on duty. They come here not to attend services every six weeks, but they work. They show up to, and, and come alongside folks in our body to serve in whatever way they can. They count heads in the building. They count money out back, and, and they take care of the physical needs needs of our body. That's the way TBC is structured. There are a lot of church government, governmental structures. There's congregational rule. I grew up in a church with congregational rule. Uh, basically, you had business meetings, which turned into gripe sessions. And that those were times, basically, where the mature and the immature, the informed and the uninformed, decided the direction of the church. I can remember as a young man, I was selected to the uh, youth, I don't know what it was called anyway, I was a youth representative to, to the uh, the, the business meetings at the church that was there. And uh, honestly, as I saw men that I respected arguing over things in the church, I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. And, and so we don't have business meetings at TBC. 
If you want to come and vote, you don't get a vote. Nobody gets a vote. We just lead as the Spirit of God directs the leadership here. So we don't do business meetings. We rarely do congregational meetings. There are churches that have pastoral rule. The pastor makes the rules. Everybody's a yes man. They do whatever he wants, and they follow his direction. His or her word is not to be challenged, often controlling, sometimes dictatorial. We are not a pastoral church. I am one elder among the 12 elders. And whenever we decide on something, we have a, a, a policy of unanimity. We have to be uh, totally unanimous on any decision to follow forward. So Gary does not get what Gary wants. And if you know the elders at TBC, they're strong, godly men who have a voice and have an opinion, and they voice it. And that's the way it should be. It, there, there's also hierarchical ruled churches. Hierarchical ruled churches, the ultimate decision-making lies in the hands of denominational leaders who pass decisions down the food chain. And if those leaders are good and benevolent men and women, then that's good. And if they understand the needs of that local congregation, that local body, that's a good thing. But if not, it can be a bad thing. Nothing wrong with any of those forms of government. I'm grateful that we are here under elder rule. There's another type of church government called committee rule. That's my favorite. Right. I love what Billy Graham said. He said, God so loved the world, he didn't send a committee. (laughs) And he's exactly right. It was Will Rogers who said, one reason why the Ten Commandments are so short and to the point is the fact they they did not come from a committee. And he's exactly right. TBC, we have a number of teams. We have mercy teams, hospital visitation teams, mission teams, impact teams, garage sale teams. But we do not have committees where we sit around making rules. I don't want people in meetings. I want people doing ministry. And one of the problems with most churches, you sit in these meetings forever talking about things that nobody cares about and nobody wants to do, and you make decisions that nobody wants to follow, and it's utterly, uh, I can't use that word, it's utterly, (laughs) my grandkids correct me every time I use the word stupid, Papa, no, you can't say that word. (laughs) To me, it's dumb. We we want people doing ministry, not in meetings. I don't know what I said, but laugh, and it's funny Someone has said, to lead a church, you almost have to walk on water. And I thought, well, Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. Can anybody walk on water today? I found one dude that can walk on water. I don't know that he leads a church, but uh, that's how you learn how to walk on water today. Elders should be men of God and shepherds of men. They should be men of God and shepherds of men. They should be men of God. The need for elders is quite clear. Paul says, wherever I go, I appoint elders. You go all the way back to the Old Testament. Moses is being overworked. His father on the Jethro comes on the scene and says, Moses, you've got to divvy up these tasks among godly men. The need is quite clear. Temple Bible Church right now, on, a, on most Sundays, uh, counting our kids and our youth, we average about 3,200 folks on a weekend. We need elders. We need shepherds. You may not function in an official capacity elder board, but we need men and women who are shepherds of other men and women. We need couples shepherding other folks. When we put together small groups, we just don't want Bible study teachers. We want shepherds. We want folks who will shepherd the folks in that group. One of the things that I love more than anything else is to get a phone call. It says, Gary, so-and-so's in the hospital. We wanted you to know that. We also wanted you to know our small group has it covered. I can remember showing up at someone's house where the husband had passed away, and I was about the fifth person there. The other, per- the other folks there were folks from that small group who had been there, including that small group leader, shepherding, caring for folks in the body. We're a body of 3,200 people on a given Sunday. That means over 4,500 people call TBC home right now. It's a lot of people. We have 12 elders. We have 24 deacons. We have 11 full-time staff folks. That's it. We're intentionally lean and mean because we want to give you the privilege of ministry. 
Most churches take the ministry and put it in the hands of the clergy, and we at TBC are pushing ministry training. The scriptures say in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, God has given some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers, so they can do the ministry. Not what it says. So they can do what? Equip the saints to do the work of ministry. I'm a failure in my position if I have to do everything. I'm a failure in my position if I do not equip strong men and women to carry out the task of ministry and to give them that high privilege. And so one of the things we're about at TBC is equipping you as his saints to do ministry, and therefore I'd better be a trainer of men and women and a delegator to men and women and take my paws off of things and allow folks to function in their areas of giftedness. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had done. What Paul did on the first missionary journey, every church he planted, he appointed elders. An organization with no leadership or poor leadership is an organization doomed to failure and chaos. Paul recognized this, and from the beginning when he planted churches, he made sure there was qualified leadership. Titus is his young disciple in the faith. He tells Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you put things in order, and what was left unfinished by appointing elders in every town as I directed you. First, second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles. Timothy and Titus are Paul's young disciples in the faith. He tells Timothy to remain on in Ephesus to correct false teachers and to make sure you select qualified elders. He tells Titus, stay on in Crete, the Isle of Crete. And he says, there you have to have appointed elders for the leadership of the body because an organization with poor leadership or no leadership is doomed to chaos and doomed to failure, including the church. And so the responsibility of elders are really threefold. First of all, elders are to shepherd the flock. We're to shepherd the flock. The first responsibility of the elders of TBC is to make sure the flock is shepherded. We shepherd in a number of ways, making sure the flock is fed, making sure the flock is protected, making sure the flock is guarded. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 34, there's this condemnation against the false shepherds of Israel. He says to Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel. You take care of yourselves. Shouldn't shepherds first take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool, and you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. Ezekiel 34 is a condemnation against the leadership of the nation of Israel, the elders of Israel, who are fleecing the flock rather than feeding the flock. He says you should be caring for the flock, you should be involved in their lives, you should be shepherding them, but you're not. And the result of that is woe is to you. When God's word says woe, it's not a good thing. When Jesus tells the Pharisees, woe unto you, it's not a good thing. And he says, woe unto you, you have been taking care of yourselves, but not others, and not the flock, and therefore you are in condemnation. Apostle Peter says to the churches in Asia Minor, be shepherds, of the elders of Asia Minor, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. He says, you are to be shepherds. The analogy and the metaphor of us being sheep and Jesus being the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, is found throughout the scriptures. And we see that that's what's given to us here. The responsibility of your elders is to shepherd the flock. Now, in a body this large, 12 men cannot know everyone. But in a body this large, those 12 men have the responsibility to make sure that the staff execute the vision, that they're involved in it, and provide leadership so that you have the opportunity to be in smaller settings so that you can be shepherded. We have the responsibility to make sure truth is taught from the pulpit, the responsibility to make sure that the the doctrine is carefully guarded of the church. Chuck Swindoll says this, 
the shepherd who tends his flock year after year, feeding them a steady diet of God's word. Feed finds over time he has nurtured a healthy band of maturing believers, people who are willing to step out in faith and trust God to dream great dreams. In fulfilled flock, friendships flourish, a caring community is encouraged, laughter abounds, emotional wounds are treated, and peace prevails. The pastor's preaching is marked by positive words of exhortation as well as loving warnings of dangers in the road ahead. Compassion flows freely. Enthusiasm is contagious. I pray that for Temple Bible Church. I pray that we are a place that there's contagious enthusiasm, that compassion flows freely, that the words that I give to you are positive or whoever's in this pulpit, and that the warnings will come across completely from the Word of God. Because if that happens, we'll be the body that God desires for us to be. And we will grow in His grace as a body and impact the places we're supposed to impact. The first responsibility of the shepherd is to feed the flock, to care for the flock, to tend the flock. Second responsibility, to guard the flock. In Acts chapter 20, it says, Keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood, because after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples after them. Basically, what Paul is telling the leaders of the church at Ephesus, this is on the seashore with the elders of the church at Ephesus. Beware, pay attention, because false teachers are going to come among you. You've got to be on guard. You've got to be on guard. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Nothing can be more cruel than leniency which abandons others to sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the pathway of sin. The responsibility of the elder is to shepherd the flock and to guard the flock. We guard the flock. In a, in a church this size, there are folks that show up on occasion who have agendas. And the agenda is to draw folks away from the truth of the word of God. You can imagine in our community, our name is out there, our reputation is good by God's grace. But there are folks that show up and they've got agendas. A number of years ago, a young couple showed up, started coming. They were here for a couple of months and wanted to go up to pizza with us, grab pizza on a Sunday. So we did it. Our kids were young. There's a place called Paddington's Pizza. You remember Paddington's Pizza here? They had great pizza. Uh, my favorite was the Gold Digger. I can remember menus like nothing else. Menus, Bible versus LSU football, and then I can't remember anything else. They had a pizza called the Gold Digger. Who remembers what was on the Gold Digger? Pineapple and, you don't remember, Canadian bacon. So we sat down. We ordered pizza for our family. He ordered pizza for he and his wife, and I think they had a couple of kids, and we began to discuss life and ministry, et cetera, et cetera. He worked in Waco. They were driving here to 10 TBC. And I noticed as we were talking, he really started talking about Judaism, being a Messianic Jew, and uh, just really talked about how he, he was really attracted to that and also told me he and his family observed some of the feasts and some of the festivals. And I thought, that's interesting. The next Sunday, this dude came real early, and he knocked on my door and said, I need to talk to you. And usually that's not good if somebody comes real early and wants to talk to me. And he puts his finger in my face and says, how dare you? I'm thinking, I have no idea what this dude's talking about. How dare you order Canadian bacon pizza when you know we're keeping the law? Excuse me? You know we don't eat pork under the law, and you ordered a Canadian bacon pizza, and we bought it. How dare you do that? And he turned around and walked away, never saw him again. 
So if you're here today, that was 25 years ago, I still eat Canadian bacon pizza. (laughs) I eat bacon with my eggs in the morning if I can get it. And I love ham sandwiches. And I love shrimp and shell. We're not under the law. We're not under the law. But this dude was all contorted and messed up and discombobulated and thought he was still under the law. He was keeping the dietary aspects of the law. And that's absolutely crazy. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, I came to fulfill the law. The book of Galatians, we're no longer under the law. We're free in Christ. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Because there are folks like that. There are folks that walk into our body. They have an agenda. They want that agenda to be perpetrated. And it's the responsibility of the elders to make sure that that's corrected. And so when we look at that, part of the responsibility of the elders is to shepherd the flock, to guard the flock, thirdly, to pray for the flock. In James chapter 5, it says, any among you suffering, any among you sick, call the elders, let them anoint and pray over them. We're going to do that next hour. You see in the bulletin, you see on the, the, one of the lead things to pray for, we've got a six-year-old in our body diagnosed with stage 4 brain cancer this week. We're going to gather after this hour, lay hands on her and pray. What is God going to do? We have no idea. We're being obedient to the word as that family is being obedient to the word. Sometimes God extends life. Sometimes God takes life. I don't know. Next week, after the Sunday service, Bev and I are flying to New York City. Then we're driving to Sandy Hook, Connecticut. We're going to meet with Dan and Lindy Bacon all day Monday, a week from this Monday. The Bacons are the one whose six-year-old granddaughter, Charlotte, was massacred in Sandy Hook. We're going to pray. But what do you do when you go and sit with a family like that? We're just going to listen and pray. Sometimes God answers prayers. Sometimes God answers prayers in ways which we do not understand. But we have the responsibility to pray. The responsibility to pray. The qualifications of an elder, it talks about character. First qualification, you're above reproach. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, there's really a laundry list of qualifications here. Characteristics of a godly man. By the way, these are things we should each be striving for. This isn't just for an elder. It's for every one of us. You should desire to be above reproach. You should desire to be temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious. That means not a fighter. So when I look at this section of God's word, what it's telling us is that an elder is one who is above reproach. I think that's an overall summary of everything, and he should be above reproach in his marriage, his social life, his family life, his business life, and his spiritual life. Perfect? No way. If you know the elders of TBC, the men who are and have been, none of us are perfect. We're all in process together. But these are things we should all desire. You should desire to have a reputation in the community of being a Christ follower. You should have a desire to manage your family well. You should have a desire to be not pugnacious. Literally, it means not a striker, not one who is angry. You should have a desire to be one who is a one-woman man, it literally says here, who is faithful to the spouse that God has given you. That's a desire for all of us, should be. And the men we select as elders, the men who, verse 1 says, aspire to that role, they should be examples of this. Three things about elders, and then I'll move on. First of all, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Many churches choose leaders based on non-biblical qualifications. Popularity, they're charismatic, likable, attractive. Look at our elders, you know, that's not the case at TBC, obviously. (laughs) 
some folks become elders because of their pocketbook. They're successful in business, and they give a lot of money to the church. Many of you are new to TBC. Here's the financial policy at TBC. Nobody sees what you give. It's the deacon stamp of back of a check. If you place it in there, it goes into a financial secretary, into a safe financial secretary, scans that every single week. I have no idea if you've given $1,000 or $100,000 since you've been here. That's between you and God. I can tell you this, you do have a financial responsibility to give. And the scriptures teach you to be generous. But that's not my business. Because I know if I knew that, I would show partiality. And I don't want to show partiality. I can take you to lunch. I can, you can take me to lunch. And I'm not going to treat you any differently than another person based upon the amount of money that you have, the amount of money you give, the type of job you have, because those things are not privy to anyone in our body for the protection of the leadership of our body. And so when you select leaders, you have to be careful. You have to be realistic. These are men and women with feet of clay. Nobody has a Superman cape. We are sinners growing in God's grace on a journey together. And you need to be aware. You need to be aware that it's not always upfront, gregarious folks that make the best leaders. Our elders are a smattering of guys. And you see me up here often, but that's not the norm for the guys in leadership here. They're normal guys just like you who function in our community, who work in our community, and who, by God's grace, grow in our community. Two things you should do for elders. First of all, obey and submit to them. Obey and submit to them. Hebrews 13, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over your souls and they'll give an account. Secondly, the scriptures say you are to honor them. You are to honor them. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the verses are in front of you on the outline. It says you are to honor those in leadership over you. In fact, it says a worker is worthy of his wages. It talks about how elders should rule well, be considered worthy of a double honor. Don't muzzle the ox. Don't receive an accusation against an elder except by two or more. Elders, here's what we need to do. We need to follow the chief shepherd and pray for his under shepherds. We need to follow the chief shepherd and pray for his under shepherd. I realize this morning's message is a bit didactic. It's a lot of teaching. We need that at times. <clears throat> we need to understand our purpose. We need to understand what we're about because an organization with no leadership or poor leadership is an organization that's about to fail in an organization about to go into chaos. We've been ending our services uh, often, not often, but about once a month. I'm trying to bring somebody up to give a word of testimony. About a month ago, you heard from Ann Bott, how she came to Christ. Before that, you heard from uh, my friend Larry. This morning, I thought it'd be wise to have one of our elders come up and share his story. This is David Jennings. Would you welcome David to the stage at TBC? Thank you. I met David about 20 years ago when he and Karen first uh, showed up at TBC. And why don't you tell him how you guys got here and a little bit about that journey, David? We were going to a local body, and uh, it, we were growing there. But uh, I've, I'd kind of gotten to a point where I leveled out and just needed to figure out how to get to the next step to, uh, to lead my family. And uh, one of the things I did at the other body was I was in charge of the Tuesday visitation, and we'd hand out three-by-five cards with people's names on it. And uh, Karen and I, we were young at the time, and so we, uh, we kept the young couples for ourselves, and we'd go visit them. And uh, many of them were attending Temple Bible Church, and I'd ask them about once a month, have you joined? And nobody joined. And so uh, 
After a while, I had a pretty good stack of them. And uh, one Sunday, uh, we were planning on going out of town, but it was storming and raining. So uh, we decided, why don't we go sneak into TBC and see why all these people are attending, but nobody's joining. So here we are. <laughs> still trying to figure out how to join. Oh, yeah, still <laughs> In fact, Dave and I, from a similar background, when they started attending regularly, said, how do we transfer our letter here? And I said, well, which letter do you want to transfer? A, B, C, D? We can work that out for you. But uh, God began to work in your life after you got here. Tell me a little bit about what happened. Yeah, I was able to hook up with a, a small group. Uh, John Blevins and a man named David McClellan had a small group at the time and uh, joined that. And uh, you know, I had the vision. I wanted to grow. I wanted to leave my family. But uh, I didn't have any knowledge of how to do that and uh, didn't really have the, the, the skill to be able to apply that knowledge. But uh, uh, by, by meeting with men in the small group and watching how them doing it and, and then just asking them questions, how do you do this, uh, I was able to, 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 to grow. And uh, fortunately, they were willing to take me under their wing. And, uh, and it's been, and you, a, been a great loss. You became the leader of your family as you desired. That was something you really wanted. David now has a daughter in college, two sons in high school. And uh, here's one of the other things about David. Not only do they lead a small group in their home, but every week you can walk in the rally room, you can walk to a classroom. If you've got a four-year-old, David Jennings is teaching them. And to me, that says a lot about the men in our body. It says a lot about the women in our body. I mean, you've got a humble man who's willing to serve the Savior, teaching four-year-olds every week. And so that's my prayer. You've heard David's story, his testimony of what God's done. I've watched God work in his life. I've watched him become a leader in our body. And not only that, uh, I, I've watched him continue to serve those kids. In a body this size, we need hundreds of shepherds. Hundreds. And we're blessed with that. Some of you are elders. In fact, if we have any, uh, we're going to pray for some guys. If you're an elder, would you stand? We've got any elders in here this hour. I'm not sure. There are different places. Jonathan Chai is over here. Stuart Cole's over here. Wave at me, guys, if anybody else is here this hour. David and I. Uh, we've got 12 elders. We also have about 800 people in small groups right now. Leading those small groups are shepherds. If you're a shepherd leading a small group, women leading women in our women's Bible studies, teaching women, men leading men, couples leading couples, uh, maybe you're leading our youth, maybe you're going to walk out of here and teach our kids, would you stand up because we want to pray for you. Those who are teaching, shepherding, leading in any capacity, would you stand up so we can pray for you in a second? And we're, we're blessed. If you're one of my staff folks, one of our staff folks, uh, you stand as well. I mean, you, you, the staff execute the vision that's there. So take a look around, guys. Take a look around. It's our privilege, really, to serve you. And uh, we need dozens more just like the folks standing up here. Finding a place to serve the Savior and honor him. If they're next to you, would you place your hands on them? If not, place your hands in their direction. We want to pray for these folks. Stand up. Make sure somebody's touching everybody. Just get over to them and make sure that's happening as we pray for these folks. Father, thank you for these men and women. Thank you for the privilege of serving alongside them. Thank you, Father, for the work that they're doing. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and giving us many shepherds. And I pray that more shepherds would arise, folks who are willing to be involved in the lives of others. So, Father, we pray blessing over these and pray that TBC will be known in our community for a church that loves and cares for others, that we care for our own and we shepherd our own. They grow up in grace. Father, thank you for strong men and women. And we pray now that we would follow you closely so that Christ, the chief shepherd, will be honored. In his name, amen.